The Packers have played their four quarters. Now it's time for the fifth quarter. Live from the Stadium View Bar and Grill on Holmgren Way, here are Mark Daniels and Matt Z. Well, hello, everybody. Happy New Year, and welcome to a big, big day in Green Bay Packers history. Wow, this is one of those defining moments, ladies and gentlemen, where a new course will be established. You talk about bloody Monday. My goodness. Ted Thompson, no longer general manager. The lead story today after 13 years as leader of the pack. He's going to become a senior advisor in football operations. The search is on for a successor. He'll become only the third GM since Ron Wolf was brought aboard by Bob Harlan back in 1991, late 1991. Didn't stop there. Coaching staff being purged by Mike McCarthy after the finish in Detroit on Sunday. Dom Capers out. Mike Turgovac, out. Scott McCurley, out. And it may not stop there from what I heard today. Long day at Lambeau as the guys cleaned out their lockers. We had the upheaval in the front office and we're wrapping up season number 38 of the fifth quarter tonight, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, it's been a whole lot of fun this season as it has been for the prior 37. Alongside, as usual, co-host Matt Z. Hello, hello, Matthew. hello. hello. Wow. Yeah, I was. Anything happened on the way home from Detroit? I was kind of expecting us to get our pink slips today too. No, I've signed a. I'm Marvin Lewis, man. I've signed a two-year extension. Uh, I thought never having won a playoff game. I thought that was a done deal in Cincinnati. Well, I know. I thought he was done. He's a good guy. I like Marvin. Keep yeah. him around. He's all right. Brown so, family, but anyway. Obviously, Lions, Bears, Raiders. A lot of guys looking for new head Six coaches. Six coaching openings, I do yeah. believe. Yeah, uh, in the NFL, a lot of assistance on the market. We're going to get to all of that, obviously, as we work our way through the show. We're going to hear from Mark Murphy in just a couple of minutes after his press conference this afternoon about Theodore. Uh, and one of the things that struck me, and I want to get this out right now, he said, <laughs> Ted hates the media, hates dealing with the media. It's like a root canal to him. He just, it's an aversion that he just, and that's why he wasn't around today to even comment on his new position right. as a senior advisor. But we, as you know, here on the fifth, beg to differ. That guy was here every year of his 13-year run as general manager to do a show in August. And I think he really enjoyed it. I really do. Yeah, I, I remember... Five years ago, when I first started with you and Ted Thompson would be on, really tough to get an answer out of him. Didn't really want to talk. No, no, it absolutely was. Over my five years, I even watched him grow and loosen up. And maybe it was just because I was the new guy over there. But over five years, he really loosened up and told some great stories. We had a lot of fun. Told us more about his personal life. I know. We had a lot of fun with Ted over the years. He was great with us. Yeah, he really was good with us. Not the rest of the press, that's for sure. But anyway, so out he goes. Well, we got to wrap it up by, uh, of course, talking about that game on Sunday. My goodness. Yeah, uh, A couple really? of guys who are in the crowd tonight were in the attendance <laughs> at Ford Field. Most disinterested day in NFL history. I mean, neither team going to the playoffs, uh, but one team did come to play, and unfortunately it was the Kitty Cats from the Motor City. Beating the Packers 35-11, to that capped the 7-9 and train wreck of a season, and the train derailed, as we all know, back on October 15th when Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone. Tries they might, they just could not recover, and the run of eight consecutive playoff seasons has come to an end. Yeah, 35-11 the final, as we do all every week, and we're going to still do it tonight, but on an abbreviated basis, take you back to the locker room in Detroit where Mike McCarthy said, Hey, folks, that's an unhappy wrap. Well, that game concludes our season. A uh, very disappointing loss. Um, I, I think, obviously, the starting point is the minus four uh, turnover ratio. Uh, I think, like anything in, 
in the game of football, um, team has you know certain teams. Every team has play styles, and and you're supposed to reflect about where you spend your time. And uh, you know the way we took care of the football today was was unacceptable, and obviously you had a big impact on the game. Oh, it sure did. Two turnovers in the red zone early on for the Packers. Yeah, four turnovers on the day. The two quarterbacks miles apart. Brett uh, Hundley. I gave him all. That's all I can do. Um, you know, obviously it didn't end the way we wanted it to. Um, we didn't make the playoffs. We didn't finish strong. Uh, you know, we didn't win our last two. Um, you know, we finished seven and nine. Um, that's not what you want, um, and that's not what we wanted. Um, so, you know, from here we just got to regroup and, um, you know, figure some stuff out and go from there. Three and six <laughs> as the starter for the pack. You think Kyle, our producer back in the studio, is tired of listening to what happened on Sunday and he's yeah, just trying possibly, to roll through the yeah, cuts a little faster? tired of hearing from Brett Hundley no. as well. couple of moments, a <laughs> couple of moments from Brett, but he got nine games in, so he is an NFL quarterback now, but just a, a lot of inconsistencies, a lot of tough decisions, a lot of tough Place yeah, the kid it. had the right attitude. He said the right things in the media. He just didn't make the progression from week to week that I think a lot of Packers fans you know, thought they were going to see. with those fourth quarter drives, you know, sure. against the Browns. There were glimpses, the you're right. Yeah, you're, but you know, Steeler game was solid. Yeah. But it was the uh, 59.7 passer rating for Hundley. As for Matthew Stafford, second time this year, uh, he pretty much uh, ripped up the pack. 140.4 rating, three touchdowns, and said, you know what, we wanted this one. We had some things to play for. Chance to sweep the Packers, chance to go 5-1 in our division, finish the year with a winning record. Uh, we work really hard at this um, to have opportunities to go out there and play. And uh, I'm proud of the way these guys showed up and played. Um, you know, our coaches did a great job getting us prepared for the game. We went out there and played well. Last time they swept the Packers in the regular season, our guest wasn't even born. 1991, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, that's painful. Really? That is painful. They haven't swept wow. the regular season since 91. And it's almost been that long since they've had a 100-yard rusher on that I team, I believe too. it is. I've, and they didn't get one again on Sunday, yeah. that's for sure. They only gained 51 as a team. Has it really been since 1991? That just seems like mind-blowing, that kind of a stat. It is. 25 years? Yes. That's ridiculous. Took them how many years to win at Lambeau? Hmm. Or in Wisconsin. Well, yeah, that's that true. Matter. That but, is true. Yeah, so, anyway, uh, the rest of the guys, you know, were really downcast, understandably so. I went to veteran safety Morgan Burnett, who says everyone on this team's going to have to look inward. I mean, our ultimate goal was to win the championship. That's what we're about here in Green Bay is winning the championship. And we fell short of that by not making the playoffs. But, I mean, that's part of the game. It's part of life. Uh, things don't always go your way, but. The true character in the person is revealed when they're hit with adversity and they're knocked down. It's, and I'm pretty sure every guy's going to respond very well come next season. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. But he is, like I said, one of the unrestricted free agents. Of course, they did get a couple deals done last week. Devontae Adams, Corey Lindsley. Right. All right. That was nice. But uh, there's still a few more that are on that list. So, so much for Detroit. 35-11 the final. 7-9. and nine. Packers will draft 14th. Wow. It's been a long time. Bubba Frank's era when they brought in a pick about mid-range in the first round. And get excited, Packers fans. Ted Thompson did sign five free agents today. Yes, the practice squad is there coming you go. back. Signed him up. Well, hey, the practice squad was on the field the last couple of weeks, <laughs> weren't they? Lot. Yeah, quite a bit. Unbelievable. Yeah, so uh, that's uh, that's pretty much the well, we got to get to the big news of the day, and that is the end of the run. Ted Thompson hired by Bob Harlan in 2005. 
His first draft pick wasn't a bad one, Aaron Rodgers. Right. Yeah, and uh, Mike Sherman, after one year, was let go. Pretty good hire in Mike McCarthy, I'd say. Five years later, Super Bowl forty-five, they are champions and Vince Lombardi Trophy winners. But it has been a struggle to get back, even though they have fielded competitive teams, an unbelievable run, eight straight playoff years, three other championship game appearances, 2007. Mm, Favre was just trying to make a play. Uh, you know, Seattle, <laughs> collapse. Yeah, right. Falcons, just dismal secondary uh and uh so the tenure no question successful i would think for ted absolutely yeah it has to be i mean this is team that has sustained excellence but it's time to move on says mark mark murphy and the packer president will now have his biggest decision of his tenure he came on board in 2008 three years after thompson and mccarthy were on board and here is his statement from today and the ultimate decision he made First, uh, I want to thank Ted, and I know uh, those of you that uh, know me and uh, Ted, you know that uh, I have great respect for Ted. Uh, we had a great working relationship, and uh, I just want to thank him on behalf of the Packer organization, our fans, for what he did for us as our general manager for 13 years. I think his record speaks for itself. Uh, I realize Probably as you do, he's a little bit of a lightning rod among our fans. Uh, I've read some of the comments that I know you have. But uh, I think when you step back and you look at it, uh, what he has accomplished as our general manager uh, speaks for itself. And, and to me, what really stands out about Ted is uh, it was never about him. Uh, he's a very humble man. Uh, he's tremendously loyal to the Packers and uh, just... Uh, you know, and, and, and it was always what's what's best for the Packers and what can we all do together uh, to help the Packers win championships. In terms of the process, how we got to this point, um, like we have in other years, we sat down and talked. And uh, he and I talked about different options and kept coming back to, uh, you know, that um, he, he lo he's a scout at heart. He loves it. It's uh, uh, what he loves to do, and uh, so that really kind of uh, moved us towards uh, transitioning to, to a different role, uh, the senior advisor position. I think uh, from Ted's perspective, this was a chance to still do what he loves uh, and still help us win championships, and as I looked at it, I thought uh, this is something that's good for the organization as well as Ted. All right, there's Mark Murphy on uh, how it all came about and what he thinks of his new senior advisor uh, for football operations. There have been stories flying around the last couple of days that there was a lot of influence from the Packer Board of Directors, from the Executive Committee, right. and I asked Mark about that, if there was anything uh, regarding that from uh, the Board or Committee on Ted's performance or even his health. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Mark. Uh, I've seen some of the reports. Um, well, first of all, there's absolutely uh, no truth to uh, the story that uh, I was uh, directed by the board to uh, make a change. Uh, our board doesn't operate that way. Uh, you know it, Mark. Our board's 45 people. Um, it's really, no, this is, uh, you know, it's going to be my hire. It was my decision to, to move uh, the way we have and uh, working with Ted. And, 
Yeah, so I, I keep our executive committee uh, appraised. Uh, our executive committee, I'm a member of that. Uh, there are seven of us on that, and uh, I've kept them appraised uh, during this entire process. But at the end of the day, you know, I was hired to make these decisions, and uh, we'll do so. He is going to take on a consultant to help, at least in the initial identification of candidates, Jed Hughes from Corn Ferry. He was hired by the Packers in the search for Mr. Murphy right. back in the day, and now he's going to come back on. But really, it's incumbent upon Murph to have a list ready to go. And there are candidates galore inside and, and out. We'll I know. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show, where they're going to go. They may not have Alonzo Highsmith to even deal with anymore. It sounds like that they're finalizing the deal. Alonzo's going to join John Dorsey in Cleveland with the Browns, expected to finalize that contract tonight. But that still leaves Russ Ball, Elliot Wolf, Brian Gutenkus from inside, and we'll talk about some of the outside candidates as well a little bit later on. But it's interesting, if it is an outsider, and then there's Ted just down the hall kind of advising, I wonder how that's going to work. It just doesn't sound right to me in that regard. If it is an insider, that'll certainly be a much more comfortable situation. Don't forget, Mike McCarthy has well, one, not one, but two years now left right. in his contract. Quietly this season, they extended him through 2019, so he will not be a lame duck with a brand-new general manager. So that's in place. So it's another indication to me they might be leaning inside, but he is going to look at all avenues inside and out. Why do you think that extension with McCarthy didn't come out until now? I don't know exactly. Why wasn't that announced during the season? Normally you announce those types of things. That Might becomes... have tipped their hand on you know what Murphy was thinking about Maybe Ted. moving forward? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure either. That seemed very weird to me when that came out today. I was like, oh, what? Yeah. Because one of the big storylines was, well, now also Murphy might have to deal with extending McCarthy or not because he's in the last year of a contract, possible new GM. Well, the GM will make out, the decision, yeah. So, By the way, we extended him during the regular season. That's not an issue. New GM will have next season and 19 to right. evaluate McCarthy, and if it doesn't turn around, he may go in another direction. Mike's got 12 years in. That's an awfully long run. Just ask Marvin Lewis again. So, Do you feel they stay in-house with the GM? That's my gut feeling. I would think so, But too. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. But we'll find out, obviously. We'll get to much more about that as we work our way through the program. Um, but the bottom line is, ladies and gentlemen, we're not talking about a 40-foot sledding hill or an ice skating rink or the Titletown <laughs> District. Those are the big decisions Mark Murphy has had to make sure, since sure. he's been on board. How to create more revenue streams for this franchise. He now is going to set the course for this franchise for maybe the next five to ten years or beyond. Pressure's on, Mr. Murphy. To get it right. And you're right. And this is not something that just came up with Mark Murphy. You know he's been thinking about this for quite a while. You know he's, he's had... He, he's mentioned it on our show sure. in, the, in the summer. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, we've discussed the, the succession plan sure. uh, for both Ted and for Mike. And it's here. And he's got to make the call ultimately. And, boy, what a big one it is. All right. We're just getting started. Do, we are, Yes. Do you think they make both of these decisions if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hurt? Back in October. If they make the playoffs, no. Right. Thompson runs through his contract in April of 2019. Papers probably sticks oh, around it, it, at least another year, no, maybe. I'm not or so what sure do you think about, about that? I'm not so sure about that. Yeah. Uh, 
I think the numbers there bore that out. Rodgers or no Rodgers, uh, you know, they had Rodgers in Carolina. He threw three touchdown passes, and there were sure. 12 men on the field, 10 men on the field, busted covers. Still the so, same issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, a, it was a problem on that side of the ball all season long. We'll get to Dom's situation and the defensive coaching staff as well. So we got a lot to get to, but we're going to get to it. We are live from the Stadium View on Holmgren Way. We welcome our listeners from Sheboygan and Wausau. We are brought to you by our friends at Nicolay National Bank, American Metal Roofs, Diamonds and Gold, Nicolay Bank. What's coming up at the View, Z? Well, it's a great place, Monday through Sunday. Come here, get your drink on, get your food on. Always great drink specials, Monday through Friday with their happy hours. Come here before all the UWGB games at tonight. the Rest Center. Yeah. Game against IUPUI tonight. They tip at 7. And then their big event coming up Saturday, February 3rd. They're throwing a foam party. Foam? A foam party. Okay. I have no idea what it means. I've heard they just... Set up a couple of sprayers on the ceiling and foam so, everybody down. So then clothing is optional then, yes? Uh, possibly. I'm going to read it that way. All right. Clothing optional Saturday, February 3rd. February 3rd and for the phone party. All right. When we come back, a rookie who done good for this Green Bay Packer team this year, punter Justin Vogel is going to join us live from The View when the fifth quarter returns right after this timeout. We now return you to the fifth quarter, live from the Stadium View Bar and Grill. Here are Mark Daniels and Matt Z. All right, welcome back, everybody. Tough finish to the season, but it was a, a fun journey to Green Bay for our guest tonight, and I really appreciate him coming on. It was uh, it was tough to get a guest after Christmas. I wasn't sure how many guys were blowing out of town as soon as they got off the plane from Detroit, but I'm glad he stuck around. He was signed by the Packers back in May. He's from the University of Miami. Ladies and gentlemen, Ooh. please welcome Justin Vogel to the fifth quarter in the stadium view. Hey, Justin. Happy New Year, buddy. How you doing? Thanks, Thanks for coming over. I'm, surpri- was- I'm surprised you showed up after the Orange Bowl. Well, we, we're, we're going to discuss that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> On Wisconsin, baby. Uh-huh. Uh, but anyway, good ball game. How was year one in Green Bay? Uh, I mean, it was great. Um, it's everything I could have uh, asked for. I mean, obviously, our, the team didn't do as well as we wanted to, but I got, I got a lot more work than expected, I'd say that much. <laughs> but, um, no, I think it was uh, an awesome experience uh, with a great fan base. It's really a great start. You came in with uh, Jake Shump still here. Got hurt, and then placed an IR. You got the job. What was that feeling like? No, I mean it's almost like a dream come true. Just be able to like fulfill like a fantasy that they had it since a kid to always play on a roster, play on a team, and then coming to Green Bay. There's a lot of uh, worries about like the cold and how I would handle it. But I thought throughout the season I did pretty well, and then plus playing in Lambeau is always just an iconic thing to do, as any NFL player would want to do. Yeah, how was the cold? Uh, you're a Florida kid. Yeah, you're a Tampa kid. Through. Yeah, um, the cold. Uh, the Minnesota game was pretty cold. I'll say that. But that was um, cold. I don't think uh, any other games were too too bad. Well, you had a 40 degree day in December, which was unusual. The Tampa game, wasn't it? Yeah, that um, was super warm. Yeah, it's funny how your interpretation of cold changes real quick when you go from Florida <laughs> to Green Bay. Yeah, really. Cold, cold's no longer cold's anything below cold. 50. Cold's like. Cold's like zero and below, and warm is like above 30. That's what you're hoping for. <laughs> but your numbers were solid. Uh, you know, I, it, they're solid. Uh, 44.4 gross average, 41.6 net, just a couple of touchbacks, and I think you had one on Sunday. Yeah, that was your sec- second, second one, one yeah. this year. You had great coverage units. Uh, statistically, execution-wise, how did you feel about the performance? Um. Uh, numbers wise was good. I think uh, I think I know I broke a franchise record for the Packers for the net for net punting this year. That uh, did finish. I was a little nervous because there was that one return, 
And then a couple of, I think there was one short one in Detroit. Yeah, we were talking I, about it in the press box. I think Tim had it previously at like 40.3. All right. So the 41.6 got me that. Well but, done. Um, no, I think uh, I think it was a I think it was a good season. I don't think this season was anything near my my peak of my performances. I think it's just that was an average season for my total performances, and I think I can do actually a lot better than that. And I think I can really compete against the best in the league. That's what Ron Zook talks a lot about with you is just consistency, and that's a hard thing to get, even harder to keep. Yeah, it's always it's a struggle for any other punter, I would say. But as a rookie, it's, it's there's a lot of challenges and a lot of things you have to look about because a lot of this, the game, season's double the season of college. True, there's a lot of other weather conditions, a lot of new stadiums I never played in, a lot of new like atmosphere, and these guys I'm going against that are doing well in the league are six, seven years in. So uh, this off season, I'm really going to focus on the, the minor things, things that I know I need to work on now and uh, really fine tune the game. You're also the holder, you know, on special teams, and what a wacky year that was. Uh, I mean, you had to figure out who's snapping almost on a week-to-week basis there for a while. Yeah, I think I had as many – I think I had less holders throughout my whole career prior to the NFL <laughs> than I did before the NFL. I, I think I only had one in, co- one in high school, what, one snapper, one snapper? And then I, had, I had two in college, and then I had three in you the NFL. You had three this year, yeah. Tabor uh, and then Derek Hart and, and, and then Brett Goode yeah. coming back. Crazy. How, do, how hard is that to keep together That when the operation is such in flux? Um, it definitely puts a lot of stress on me and especially Mason yeah. just because it's hard to keep in rhythm because we will train all off-season. Because all off-season we had, De- we had Derek. Right. And we trained with him, finally got our rhythm going. Then he gets set for Brett. So now, okay, so Brett's not as bad as, as a problem because Mason's been about 10 years with Brett. So we get back to that. Then he goes down. So now we have another guy coming in. So it's, it's all new systems. Everyone snaps a little bit differently. They're both rookies, so they're all they have their own jitters with the game. So it always adds to like the to the randomness. There were some scuff marks. Yeah, there, a few of those. <laughs> yeah, they weren't always, always perfect, mildly. but uh, I mean, I, I was doing my best to give Mason the best chance to make as many kicks as we could because uh, every point matters in this league. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Z. So, what do you remember from your NFL debut against the Seahawks? I just say running out. I think it was just I we ran out in the preseason. And it's still cool. We just running out that first time as as like a official game in the roster. So no matter what happens, like I just say, I was an NFL player at least for a day. You know, <laughs> but um, and hope it's lasted this season. I think it's it's good things to come. I think this year has been great, and uh, hopefully it's the start of a long future. Pretty anxious the night before. Pretty excited. What was kind of the mental thought going through your head? I don't know. It wasn't really anxious. I just knew I wanted to. Be able to just perform well because I knew I I was doing well during the preseason. I just wanted to be able to translate that into the regular season. So uh, I wasn't really anxious. It's something I've been doing my whole life, and it's, it's basically what I'm good at. So it's, it's time just to show people what I can do. Get what? any get any phone calls the night before, like from your mom, anything like that? Any? Uh, my my parents always call before the game. Yeah. They're they're at that game, but um, they'll always call, talk to me, just wish me luck. We're talking about they don't really talk about football too much for the game, so there's nothing like that. Why'd you pick up punting? When did you become a punter? Were you a soccer player? Uh, yeah, like I was a soccer player when I was younger. And being a, being a soccer player on the football team, you get put into that that kicking role. The yeah. co- coach just goes, can you kick and punt for us? And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. So I, was, I did receiver, safety, and then I kicked and punt. And then he actually told me my sophomore year they thought I could do this in the NFL, punting. And I was, Really? I thought he was just joking around with me, saying, like, he tried to keep me on the team to be the punter. <laughs> so like, Don't yeah. leave, Justin. Yeah, Don't leave. Yeah, it's one of those things. But, I mean, when I finally – not the other sports I play. I focus on just kicking. I haven't get a college. Uh, that's, so, be- that's better than stick to soccer. Kid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so as a sophomore in high school, you're told, ah, you can do this in the NFL. How does that humble you? 
I thought I honestly thought it was just he, him was just blowing smoke. That's what I that's what I 100% thought it was uh, until I thought about it later on when he c- tells me later on when I was in college and got a scholarship and stuff. He's like, I told you this, you could do this, and I was like, and I never thought about that moment until he mentioned it and brought it up again. So you didn't immediately go to the cheerleaders and start bragging? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, no. coaches, I'm going to be in the NFL as a punter, ladies. <laughs> yeah, they probably, they probably <laughs> believed as much as I would have. Yeah, no kidding. So on to the University of Miami and a, and a nice run there. Yeah, I think uh, what Coach Rick's done has really changed the program. The last two games were some rough games for us, but um, I think he's really done a lot to change the program. I think since the, the we had the glory days back with the well this, the U yeah yeah the U and then we had, we had some rough times with all the sanctions and everything and he now I think it's now Miami's finally getting back to the the standard it needs to be so you never got on the yacht or anything like that with the parties yeah the no uh, no no boosters we we learned our lesson from that I can imagine. <laughs> Those had to be just I noticed you're crazy. not wearing your turnover chain. Oh, yeah. Rocking that at the no. stadium for you tonight. No, I don't have one of those with me. Did you see the Badgers were wearing turnover chains at the end in the locker room? They were made out of cardboard and, like, $5 yeah, I mean, plastic I mean, chains. But I mean, our turnover chains are made – they're, they're the real deal. They're, they're, the, yeah, they're the real baby. Cuban link gold, yeah. uh, gold chain. So uh, a lot of people like to imitate it. I think it was a great – I think it was one of the most recognizable things in college football. I think it was a great recruiting tool by Coach Rick and definitely got a lot of media attention to the University of Miami. Well, I mean, there was a point. It was Wisconsin, Miami, and Alabama were the last three unbeatens. Uh, uh, well, yeah, Central Florida, too. And Justin McRae will never let anyone hear the end right. of that. Yeah, they yeah, we, finished undefeated, we, we heard by the that way. Today, yeah, he, he mentioned he was going to crow about that quite a bit. Uh, so, yeah, he did turn that thing around, no question about it. Tough finish in the ACC final, obviously, to Clemson. Uh, and did you watch the game at all? Were you able to watch it Saturday? Yeah, yeah I did. I thought, I thought it was a – actually, that was a lot better game than I thought it would be. I thought it would be more of a defensive battle, more of a slow game, but both teams really came out – Pretty, pretty much firing, and there's a lot of a lot of scoring, a lot of exciting plays. I was a little nervous at 14-3, to tell you the truth. I thought it was over at that uh, yeah, point. Yeah, I did too. Absolutely. I was, yeah, I was worried yeah. about that, but Hornybrook had the best game of his season, thankfully, without an interception. Uh, and uh, and um, they Badger defense kind of closed it down after it you know, got down. Yeah, um, the Miami offense has seemed to be struggling a little bit lately in the year, at the end of the year. The defense really obviously carried a lot of the load for the team. I think Wisconsin was very similar in that regards that the defense really made up for a lot of mistakes that the offense would make. So I thought this game was definitely coming down to that, and I think your quarterback may just outplayed ours in that game. Yeah, I think so. Kind of like the Vikings, you know, the defense, you know, quarterback sure. has some shortcomings. Not He'll make plays, no question, he made a yeah. ton of them, uh, but it was the defense that carried the day. All right, well, he'll get over the Orange Bowl loss, I'm sure. <laughs> Justin Vogel is our guest tonight. We're going to take a break, come back with more on the end of the season. What's next for the Packer punter? Don't go away, fifth quarter returns right after this timeout. We now return you to the fifth quarter, live from the Stadium View Bar and Grill. Here are Mark Daniels and Matt Z. All right, welcome back, everybody, with Justin Vogel, the Packers rookie punter from the U, joining us tonight as we close out the season. Justin finished uh, with a gross average of 41.6, and I think Mr. Kern of Tennessee, 44.6 was, or 49.7 was his average. No, yours was... Uh, 44-4, I should say. Yeah, that was your gross average. Uh, and you were one of only three rookies in the league to punt this year. And uh, you finished seventh in the NFL in net average with that Packer uh, record. So, well done. Thank you, thank you. It's a tough, tough nut to crack, only three rookies out of 32 teams. Yeah, it's definitely 
I think one of the hardest positions to get into the league is definitely the kicker position. A lot of coaches definitely want to see experience, and it takes, usually takes a season or two of preseason games to kind of build that trust. Yeah, it is. And but but once you're in, and if like I said, develop consistency, you can stay in this a long time because we've seen a lot of punters kind of come and go here, uh, you know, over the years. Uh, that once they get in, they kind of get themselves established, and if it doesn't seem to work out here. You're on a short list for other teams because you have tape. Yeah, tape's always a, a crucial thing. It's it's the same when going to college. It's the uh, it's the coaches that make sure they want to be able to trust you and uh, go out there and not not gonna just mess up, you know? Because everyone can kick good in practice, but it's a different mindset to kick good in a game. No question. So what are you planning to do in the off season? What are you gonna work on to make yourself better for the next year? I'm going to work on uh, some – I'm going to watch some more of the film, and that's uh, exactly what I want to narrow down into. But I think some of it comes down to uh, just some, like, steps and the consistency and the, the drop. I think that's the, the, the crucial things. Talk about what Ron Zook wants as far as directional kicks. We hear that all the time. He wants it in a spot based on how you're going. Just kick it to where Janice is gunning, and I think you're okay. Uh, yeah, um, his, his dream kick would probably go out of bounds. If it, if it went really? Out of, if it went out of bounds, it would probably be the best scenario. No returns, no one worries about it. That would be his dream kick. I, uh, this is what I would You believe. only had 29 of your 83 punts returned, 29 out of 71 returned. Not a terribly high ratio. No, um, I, and, uh, the kicks are pretty uh, good. I really uh, focus on hang time a lot. I really try to eliminate returns and – so some of the balls may not – because he wants the ball outside the numbers, but if the ball is high, if it's a good kick and it's high and it f- fades inside, the coach is okay with that just because if it, you give a lot of time in the air, Jeff Janis doesn't need that much time down the no, field. No, he does not. So if you put a ball like four or five seconds in the air, <laughs> Jeff has a two-second head start from, from you kick it, so he has to go, go 45 yards he, in about six he seconds. Is, so. He is uncanny at that, Justin. I yeah, mean, him and a lot of other guys. I know Trevor, Pipkins, yeah. a lot of other guys failed in, and they were all pretty good – Across the board. This team gave up just 5.7 yards of return this year, and that's up from last year. I mean, this has been a really good punt cover team the last couple of years. What's an off-season day like for a punter? I mean, do you do you have in mind like on a Tuesday I'm going to kick 100 balls? Never 100. But, what uh, is what is what is like? What's well, a workout all, day lives, for he you? He lives in Tampa, so it's probably the beach. Sure, sure, sure. Golf course. You can kick balls uh, on the beach. I'll get to the net eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's what's a workout day in the off season like for you? What's a typical day from time you get up till end of the night? Um, it varies. Well, I'll probably make a, a regimen schedule with a. I either do a, some workouts. Uh, let's say Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I'll kick like say Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Because in the season, I only kick about three days a week, just because you want to save your leg, and you don't also don't go in the off season and overkick. So you want to be you don't want to be tired going into the next season. So I mean, I usually kick about three three to four times a week, depending on certain conditions and other things, you know. But um, you say you don't kick a hundred balls a day. How many a day do you focus on? Is it just a feeling where things are in rhythm, or do you have a set number just get your leg? I mean, I, I usually never go above 50 kicks in a day, but uh, usually it's more of a rhythm thing. If I'm working, say, I'll just pick a certain task at hand. Say, I want to just work on directional right or left or going in punt. So I'll just do that, and then if I get in a rhythm and I feel comfortable, I hit about four or five in a row, then I'll usually just call it there because you don't need to push it to where you fail. You know, you want to just you want to finish on a high note. Do you have a friend of snaps, or you just grab it and whack it? Uh, snappers go here and there. Um, yeah. It's either sometimes my dad tossing the ball. Really? It's a uh, high school guys wanted to go out there get coached to bring some guys out. Um, it's either, sometimes I go to some kicking camps where like they'll have some like college level snappers there. 
And so I know some other NFL guys go to these camps as okay. well. So we'll, we'll compete against each other for fun during this offseason. We mentioned you live in Tampa. What's the best part about living in Tampa besides the weather? Um, the, the beach is always nice, having the beach close. And uh, we also have a couple of theme parks that are always good to go to. We have Disney not, at only an hour away and Bush Gardens about, Bush like, Gardens 30, is still about town, 30 right? minutes away. Yeah, Clearwater Beach, one of my all-time favorite it's very, spots. It's a very nice beach. It is an awesome, awesome beach. Worst part about growing up in Tampa. <laughs> um, I don't know. I really like growing up in, in Florida, honestly. Um, I think it was, I made a lot of friends there. I went to the same school throughout my kindergarten all the way through senior year. So it was a... Made a lot of good friends there. Everyone always comes back once in a while during the summer, so it's always been a good time. So there's no negatives to Tampa. <laughs> I mean, it, traffic is worse in Tampa than here. I'll say that. If you don't like yeah, traffic, yeah. But, yeah. But then going to Miami, uh, you learn about what real, what real traffic is, and that's uh, really something you want to avoid. How did you end up at Miami? Um, it was kind of a weird carousel to start. I mean, I went to University of Florida to start my career as a walk-on. I walked on. I was there for two years. Uh, things just didn't work out. And so I decided to transfer. I had I had offers to go to some smaller schools, some D2 schools or other D1 AA's. And I really wanted to play at another D1 school. So I ended up, I ended up making a film with my dad and my brother in, in a random field. I kicked about 10 kicks in a really? row. Charted them all, sent them out to all the D1 coaches. And Miami got back to me. And they said, come down for a, like a tryout. So I went down with Coach Golden was there. He's now with the, the Lions, actually. Right. And uh he saw what I did, and he goes, we want to give you a chance that if you're the starter by the end of the year, we'll give you a scholarship. So, that's you, how it went. so you competed the rest of that summer or spring with a couple of guys? and Yeah, so I'd go in there. I had to win the spot, and then I had to do enough where they'd give me a scholarship, not sign another kid. So I got a scholarship, and I had to even take out loans to go to, to, go to Miami. It's not a cheap school to go to. It's about 60000 a year just Ouch. for one year. Yeah, Ouch. so it was basically a do or die moment in my football career. <laughs> right? I get it. Wow. No question about it. All right. What did you learn about uh, just being a professional uh, when you're lockering next to a guy who I think is a real professional in Mason Crosby? Yeah, I think having Mason and then Brett most of the year. Yeah, true. It, Brett. De- it definitely really helped me out because those guys were are very better. Do what they do is. It's honestly like it's a dream of any player to play. I think Brett's played almost 10. Mason's played almost 11th or 12th. Yeah. So that's really like a great goal for anyone. And uh, they really showed me how well they stay focused. Because like you think 12 seasons in, they'd slack off or they don't. They they have a full regimen they go through. They, uh, they, they'll condition themselves certain days inside. So I just kind of joined in now and kind of bought into their system. And it's really uh, helped me stay on focus and stay on nice. track. Nice. So as an undrafted free agent, why'd you choose Green Bay? What what were some of the other teams that were interested in you? I had about four or five calls coming out of the draft. Uh, Kansas City, uh, Philadelphia, uh, Miami, Indianapolis or some. But um, I saw the opportunity. I knew um, the punter uh, had some problems. I think he had an injury at the time. Yeah, he did. And I knew that with – I could beat out anyone who had, an, I think, anyone who had an injury. So I wasn't worried about uh, that. So Gee, I, I, I hope so, Justin. Yeah, really. I, but um, <laughs> hey, the guy's got one leg. I'll take his job. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, well, yeah, yeah I mean, this is a piece. Of- there's they obviously had to weigh a lot of things because some other guys had have veterans that they've signed for big term deals. So you don't want to go there because you got to. It's hard to right. beat out a guy who has a million dollars vested into him versus another one-year deal guy yeah you're so. not gonna be out shane leckler for instance or somebody like that and he was yeah well like and then like i think kansas city had contacted me too and they have uh, one of the colquitt brothers yeah. and they're they're making like 
couple million dollars a year. So they're not going to really, not really looking to get rid of him yet. So it's just, you need to find their situation. I think my same thing as Miami. Miami was the right situation. An opportunity presented itself. So I just stepped in and took the shot. And same with Green Bay. I think it was another good opportunity. Just came up and took a shot. Were you leaning maybe a little bit towards the Dolphins just because you're a Florida kid, you were so close, or how close were they in the running? No, I mean, Green Bay showed a lot of interest prior, right right before the draft. I never talked to them before draft day, but they, they called me during the draft day and they told me a lot of stuff. So I really um, really bought into Green Bay. After the, and then when it came down to the end, I, I wasn't really worried about any like free agent signing money. I really wanted just a chance the best opportunity to play. You know, I'm sure you were disappointed you didn't get drafted, but in a sense, you get to decide. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously like a kind of like a, not like a dream, but kind of like a fantasy. Yeah. Like everyone wants to get drafted, name on the board, like that kind of situation. But, uh, I mean, yeah, getting to pick my own team was always interesting getting the choice. And uh, obviously now that I'm a free agent, my contract's out one year earlier. So if I can keep doing well, it, it worked out better in the long run. I think it will. All right, we've got to take another break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up with Justin Vogel and then dive into all of the offseason moves that are coming for the green and gold. Fifth quarter returns right after this timeout. We now return you to the fifth quarter, live from the Stadium View Bar and Grill. Here are Mark Daniels and Matt Z. All right, welcome back, everybody. Boy, I can't believe we're wrapping up the season tonight. A little earlier than usual after the Packers finish at 7-9. and nine. Rookie punter Justin Vogel with us for just a couple of more minutes. Uh, Justin, it was uh, great to have you on board. I want to say hello to Alex over there. Thanks for coming over with you. That's nice. Uh, how long are you sticking in town? I'll be here about another week or so, then I'm heading home. you got to wait till it gets above 20, right? <laughs> Before you can, yeah. <laughs> this is ridiculous, this snap we're on. Holy cow. It's been very cold for a it week. It's been yeah. very, very, very cold. That is for sure. See what he got left. Who is your favorite athlete growing Ooh. up? Um, well, I was with my dad as well. My dad played college ball in the NFL as a middle linebacker for about three years. He played for the uh, the Bucks and the Oilers, bounced really? around. So I always looked up to, always looked up to him yeah. as an athlete. But he, it was funny because he never really forced football onto me. You think that like a guy like that would want to push? He always kind of like he almost pushed me away from the sport because he knew like the, the, how dangerous it could be. But once it became like more of the or took the punting route, he was way back, way, <laughs> yeah. way back into it. <laughs> CTE is not an issue for punters, hopefully. Uh, we hope not. Hope not. Right. No kidding. What's your first football memory? Um, I remember uh, I played tight end for a peewee team called the, the Citrus Park Bills, and I remember uh, scoring a first touchdown. For the, That was probably like, the first like real football memory I have. I don't remember how old that was, probably 10 years old, maybe. If you weren't in the NFL, if you weren't a punter professionally, what do you think you'd be doing? What career path would you have taken? Uh, I think I'd be going into nursing school right now or some kind of PA school. I have my degree in health science, and I've actually, this whole season, I've been getting my master's online. Nice. I was ready. I was Dang. Ready, yeah, I was, ready in a, I was ready in a year and a half when I, when I came to the NFL, so I was in a weird situation where do I just stop it completely or do I just stick it out? I'm like, I'd be upset if I like, got cut and I just quit my master's as well. So you stayed time. online with the c- courses? All- yeah, so Ooh. I have one class left, and I'll, I'll graduate in May 10th. Yes. Good for you. Good for you. Look at the big brain on Justin. <laughs> yeah, That'll really. boy. So what is maybe one or two things that Packers fans would be surprised to learn about you, like specific hobby or something like that? So, so one hobby I do a lot is uh, I do a lot of spearfishing in Florida. My, one of my buddies introduced me to it, and we ever since then, it's been we've been going out all the time in Florida to the Keys, and uh, we do a lot of spearfishing. It's always, it's always a fun time going out there. And yeah, we see, we see sharks and stuff. Everyone, people in Wisconsin are 
always ask me about those things, sharks, and they're like, are you afraid of them? And stuff. So like, we're not really afraid of sharks that much down uh, in Florida. You ever had to run away from gators? <laughs> uh, gators are here and there. Not but, there. Uh, they don't really bother you. You know, spearing down there is nothing like spearing up here. Yeah, you know what spearfishing is up here? I wouldn't go swimming up here. No. No, yeah. <laughs> What's your biggest catch? We've caught, like, we caught about like, some 30-pound group, 40-pound groupers before, those kind of things. And uh, the other thing I did, too, is uh, I was actually a very good volleyball player coming out of high school. I, was, I, was, I had D1 offers to play volleyball. Wow. I went to uh, a USA selecting me as, nice. a, as a beach volleyball representative, under 18s, and I went to Russia to play the Russians. It was, there was me and six other guys, and we played six, other, six Russians in beach volleyball. Fun. That's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. That did you meet awesome. Putin? I did not meet him no? like that. No, but, no? No, but we got, we got the whole tour of all, all the, the mosques and all, like, all their Red Square, all their, all their, building, Red yeah. Square, all their buildings and stuff. So it was a pretty cool experience. Way different than America, I'll tell you that. Yeah. You, you smuggle any vodka back with you for the... No, but it's, it's all around over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's easy to get, that's for sure. <laughs> Everyone can get it. Justin, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on board. Guests of the fifth, uh, fifth quarter receive a gift certificate from our friends at Diamonds and Gold. One of the fine jewelers in town. You'll find them over on Central Drive in Alloway and just... Might as well give it right to Alex right before there you go. <laughs> uh, have a great offseason. You had a fantastic rookie season. Uh, stay well, and uh, we'll see you this summer. All right. Thanks for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, Justin Vogel, our guest tonight. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it. We got a few things to get to today. Justin, like all the rest of the guys, were clearing out their lockers, and that's always a tough day. And, uh, you know, I was over there bright and early this morning, and I want to get to a conversation I had with one of the veteran players. And uh, as we talk about uh, really what uh, was a big, big day today, not only with Ted, but the defensive coaching staff. Dom Capers out, Mike Turgovac, and again, Scott McCurley let go, the inside linebackers coach and the defensive line coach. And uh, I visited with Haha Clinton Dix and uh, got some of his thoughts on not only the demise of Dom, but also some interesting uh, things he had to say about uh, the general manager change and the personnel on this Packer team. Let's listen to HaHa. What I think about Dom, um, I'm definitely going to miss him. Uh, He was a guy I came in with, um, a guy I put all my trust into, um, a guy I looked up to. Uh, He's a future Hall of Famer. Um, He's going to be missed around his locker room, you know. You can look back and say, you know, I've, I've been seeing a lot of tweets and stuff about Dom being out of here before he's actually out of here, but no one really talked about Dom when 2010 when they were in the Super Bowl. You know, you said it was a top five defense, but they had a lot of caliber, you know, players on their team. Um, we didn't really talk about him in 2014, 2015. Um, I don't think it was Dom. Um, I think it was the guys that were around him, um, the talent he had, you know, what we had to put on the field and what we had to work with. So when you look at numbers, you can't just look at Dom. You know, Dom has a job to, to, to make calls, and we have to go out there and perfect them. And, uh, you know, when, when things don't get done, things get glorified a lot. And I think that's what it was coming to. Um, you know, unfortunately, like I said, I'm going to miss Dom a lot. But uh, i got to put my, you know, my, my first foot forward and keep it moving. This is a draft-to-developed team, and you've got so many kids playing early. When it gets late in season, injuries hit. You're leaning on kids to win big games and get you into playoffs. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly what it is. Um, you know, our, we go from you know our starters to basically you know free agent players. You know, and sometimes that can hurt us, as we've seen uh, you know through the years that I've been here. Is that uh, you know we don't have the guys behind us like we had Jared Bush when I was here as a rookie. Um, you don't have the Michael Hodge that can step in. You don't have the, the, the Chris Benjos or the Sean Richardsons that can step in and uh, you know be held accountable. And I think that's the biggest thing we're missing. Interesting. He's right. Last two years, NFC title game in Atlanta. This year, down the stretch, you're playing 
not to take anything away from these guys, but Jermaine Whitehead, Marwood Underwood, Lindsey Pipkins. These are your front-line defensive backs against Matt Ryan in Atlanta and Matthew Stafford in Detroit and Cam Newton in Carolina. Yeah, injuries happen for every team. Everybody knows that. But when you start to lose one guy, two guys, three guys, four guys, and you really start stretching that depth, it gets tough. I mean, it doesn't. you can't say then it's not the defense coordinator's fault. It all ultimately falls on that individual. But the other coaches getting their players ready, developing them in the system, it is crucial who you draft from year to year and find the right guys to fit systems. Yeah, I suppose. But by the numbers, here's where the Packer defense finished in 2017. 22nd in total yards per game. 25th in yards per play. 17th in rushing yards per game. Hey, 8th in yards per attempt. I mean, they were pretty good against the run most of the season. Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels. That's why I was surprised right. about Mike Turgovac much more than Dom Capers. Yeah, on the defensive the line. I was surprised yeah, there. Uh, you know, I was there. But 23rd in passing yards per game. Uh, 29th in uh, passing net yards per game. Uh, let's see. 19th in net yards per pass play. Uh, where are we at? Sacks per pass play. Actually, 10th, which is better than I would have expected. But uh, they were 28th in first downs allowed per game. 28th in third down efficiency, 31st in fourth down efficiency, 29th in points per game. You look at the third down proficiency and the points per game. I don't care about yards, yards per game, I, yeah, any of that yeah. stuff. It get comes off the down field to and get them out of the end zone. Get off the this field. This defense couldn't do it. They don't stopped, let them score. They yeah. stopped turning it you know, over, taking it away. I mean, Demary said four. I think Ha had three. No one else said more than one. If not Perry or Matthews, no one was getting right. home, and they weren't healthy for much of the season. They missed a whole chunk of games as well. So Dom Capers, done. Who's in? This is Mike McCarthy's call. This is not Ted, who's still GM until the successor is found, by the way. Uh, this is all McCarthy to uh, get his coaching staff. Big Fangio of the Bears, formerly of the 49ers. Uh, he's had a track record. He could be, I think, one of the guys that is going to get a hard, long look uh, from Mike McCarthy. Will it be a promotion from within a winston moss he's been granted permission to interview in a couple of places detroit most notably joe witt yeah i don't think so uh, darren perry those are the only guys that are left uh, i don't think so so i think it's going to be an outside coordinator for the packers yeah i wouldn't think you stay in house with the defense coordinator position go outside get in fresh eyes new coaches different system see what you can do and outside for um general manager we talked about russ ball he's really the cap guy not a real scouting background although we dabbled more in some of the evaluations of players this year i think he's in line for mike mark murphy's job eventually ah okay sure so elliot wolf or brian gutenkus i'd be fine with either one of them to tell you the truth and if not one, the other might go, but they do have a working relationship. And as we were talking at the top, if Ted's going to be hanging around down the hall, shuffling about and mumbling, you, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, in-house would make that a lot easier, especially with Mike having one more year in his deal. Here are some outside names. George Patton, assistant general manager of the Vikings. They've kicked the Packers' pants in the drafts in the last yeah. four years, and that's where they are where they are. Uh, Trent Kirshner is the co-director of player personnel with Seattle, worked with John Schneider. Schneider? He's under contract through 2021, but he has, he's got equal say with Pete Carroll, and the Packers could convince the league to woo him away, saying this is a promotion, yes. not a uh, 
Lateral move. Thank right. you. Right. Uh, need the school teacher over there to do it. Uh, Brian Gain, vice president of player personnel for the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. He's already being talked about maybe for the Houston Texans general manager job. Terry McDonough, vice president of player personnel with Arizona. There's an upheaval there with Bruce Arians retiring, along with Carson Palmer, who retired today. He retired. I thought Should have retired a... last year. Joe Douglas, vice president of player personnel with Philadelphia, has been mentioned. Chris Greyer, the GM in Miami. He, like Schneider, on equal footing with others in the organization, might want his own organization to run. And Joey Klinkscale is the director of player personnel for Reggie McKenzie in Oakland. And if Oakland's going to have Mark Davis hire a coach over Reggie McKenzie, John Gruden, Reggie might just want to bolt back here. A lot of names to throw about. Huge, huge couple of weeks coming for the Green Bay Packers. We are going to take a break, and we are going to wrap up season 38 of the fifth quarter. Don't go away. Finishing up right after this. We now return you to the fifth quarter, live from the Stadium View Bar and Grill. Here are Mark Daniels and Matt Z. All right, we're sending somebody to the Packer Pro Shop from our friends at Robinson's Heating and Cooling. Who's the winner? Roger Jakes. Roger Jakes, congrats. I want to thank Jerry Watson and Manager Brooke from the Stadium yes. View. Awesome. awesome. Robinson's, uh, American Metalroos, Nikolai Bank, Diamonds and Gold, Dave Dillon, our sales rep, Paul Helling, our video streaming, board operators, Kyle, Robbie, Earl, co-host Matt Z, and our fans who come out every Monday. Happy birthday, Chuck. This is Mark Daniels. Are we going to do 39 next year? Why not? We have a whole new regime. Until then, thanks. So long, everybody. See you guys.